0: Well, if you have a Bible, let's open up to Titus, the letter of Paul to Titus, as we continue on in our study of the fruit of the Spirit. Normally, what we do if you're visiting here is we'll take a book and we'll just unpack that book for months at a time. We finished up a 16 month long series through John, and over the summer, we're kind of doing a topical survey of the fruit of the Spirit. And this morning we're going to be in Titus. So again, if you have no idea where Titus is, it's okay. Feel free to use the table of contents. Again, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. So if you get to Hebrews, go back to the left. And we'll be in this very short letter of Paul to Titus. We're going to look at chapter 3, and we're actually going to look at the first 8 verses. I think your bulletin may say 7. We're going to add one more on there. So we're going to look at, at verse through verse 8. And so as you're opening up to Titus chapter 3, I want to tell you a story. Several years ago now, a, there was a man in a grocery store named Dan. And Dan was 82 years old, and his wife had died earlier that year, and you can imagine he was sad and lonely. And so he was going to the grocery store and trying to kind of figure out life on his own and without his wife, and his shoulders were hunched over, and... He kind of had this perpetual scowl on his face, just sad, kind of bitter guy. And as he was shopping in the store all by himself, the amazing thing about this whole story is all of this was captured on video. As he was shopping in the store all by himself, sad and lonely, and with that kind of thousand-yard stare and kind of just doing his own thing, seemingly invisible to everyone around him, just another kind of old guy shopping in the store, he heard a little voice say, Hi, old person, it's my birthday, with an F. It's my birthday. And he looked over and he saw this four-year-old girl named Nora who was smiling and kind of waving like this at him from the little, you know, the seat in the shopping cart. So he had these little legs sticking out. and Hi, old person, it's my birthday. And waving at him. And you can, you can imagine while Nora, little Nora said that, her mother stood there in utter shock and embarrassment. Oh no, what has Nora done? Little Nora and Mr. Dan continued to talk for a few minutes. And then, you know, after what seemed to be just kind of a normal run-of-the-mill everyday kind of interaction, both parties went about with the rest of their days. And that whole kind of scene was captured on the store's video system. And from the, the the eyes of just kind of normal everyday occurrence, what seemed to happen there was just a kind of a normal run of the mill everyday kind of little experience. You may have seen someone in Bruce's or Walmart as you've been around. You may have even had a little dialogue with a small kid who's talked to you and you know, it just kind of seems like, well of course I'm gonna be nice to this little one. But, as you can probably imagine, that is not even a fraction of the rest of the story. And so in Paul Harvey fashion, I'm going to pause there, and we'll round back up with Nora and Dan here at the end. But in the meantime, as we consider what is going on here in the fruit of the Spirit, as we look at Galatians 5, 22-23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. As we look at those, we've been studying this list of the nine fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul listed in Galatians 5. And as I have mentioned before and we will mention yet again, these fruit are not a checklist to work through in order to somehow merit your salvation or to show God that you, know, you matter or to prove yourself. What these fruit are is they all flow out of a heart that has been and is still being changed by the grace of God. And Jerry Bridges said, our first reaction, if we are realistic at all, is probably to say, I can't work on all these. And that is indeed true if we were left to our own devices, but these traits are the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His work in us. They're like seeds planted in your heart by the Holy Spirit at the moment of your conversion that, by God's grace, grow over the course of your lives to make us more like Jesus, which is the end goal of our sanctification, is to be conformed more and more to the image of Christ. Again, I've mentioned before that 20th century English pastor and theologian Dr. John Stott prayed this prayer every morning when he woke up. He prayed, Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I hope you've noticed as we moved through our fruit of the Spirit, as we have seen, as we study each fruit we kind of always end up studying the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, who perfectly embodied these spiritual fruit. And we look to Christ, and we ask the Holy Spirit for help as we rest in the Father's love. And this morning, we're going to look at fruits five and six in the list together this morning. We're going to look at kindness and goodness. And they sound very similar, but they actually are different. The word kindness in the Greek is krestotes, which is a benignity, a selfless disposition towards others. So kindness is a selfless disposition towards others. Goodness, the Greek word is agathos. Agathosune, which is a beneficence, so a generous in doing for others. So kindness is a selfless disposition towards others. Goodness is being generous in doing good for others, is kind of the they sound very similar, but they actually are different. Again, here's what Jerry Bridges said, which I thought was really helpful when kind of thinking about kindness and goodness together. Here's what he said: kindness is a sincere desire for the happiness of others. Goodness is the activity calculated to advance that happiness. Kindness is the inner disposition created by the Holy Spirit that causes us to be sensitive to the needs of others, whether physical, emotional, or spiritual. Kind- goodness is kindness in action, words, and deeds. So we think about how these two interplay, kindness and goodness. In many ways, goodness is actually the fruit of kindness. So kindness at the heart level spilling out into action goodness and good deeds towards others. So you see how the two hang together. So when we think about this this morning, we think about those definitions of those words and kindness and goodness. How do we see God's heart of kindness spilling over into the action of goodness in our world? How do we see that in our own world today? Let's find out. Let's look to Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, and let's give attention to the reading of God's word. And I want you to have those, how do we see the kindness of God spilling over into goodness? How do we see that? So let's look at, let's look at Titus 3. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I'm grateful for that, and I hope you are as well. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit's help as we look to His word. Please pray with me. Father, take these words and apply them to our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit. And please be with me and help me to be faithful to your text. But I pray that anything that I say in error would be quickly forgotten. But all those things of you, O Lord, that we would take them and we would dwell upon them. And we would glory in Christ. Redescribe reality to us this morning. We're so quick to forget. And we're thankful for your good and truthful word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we think about these two fruit, kindness and goodness, that we're covering together. They're they're harder than they sound, aren't they? Why? Because they grate against our natural inclination in our sin to really only genuinely be concerned with ourselves. And so kindness and goodness, having a genuine disposition for the goodness and happiness of others, kind of grates against us. I remember hearing my father tell me in high school, he was kind of giving me the reality of the world around me. You know, we were, I think we had heard the song, you know, all you need is love by the Beatles. And he's like, that's not true. My father, when he was describing kind of life in the real world to me, I remember him telling me, people will be nice to you for a while until it starts to cost them something. Time, money, effort. People will be nice to you for a certain amount of time until it starts to cost them something. And I think the more and more as you dwell upon what my dad said and your own kind of reality of living life in the everyday world, you see that he was right. And these two fruit are hard because they make us ask, do I have a sincere interest at the heart level in the happiness and well-being of others, even if it costs me something? Do I have that in my own heart? Do I have a genuine interest in the well-being and love of others? Even if it costs me time, money, effort, whatever it is, do I see that in my heart? And we typically only show genuine kindness to people who are already our friends or to our family, but also if you live in, you know, the reality of this world, you realize that we even mess that up too, right? We're not even kind and good to our own family and our good friends. And what we see at the heart level is the problems in here, in our own hearts, the problem's not out there. But God asks us to show a heart of kindness to everyone around us and to genuinely serve them. Why? Why should we do that? Why are we called to do that? Because it's one of the ways that we reflect God's kindness and goodness to the world around us. And look at verse 8. We're called to devote ourselves to good works. Why? Paul writes, these things are excellent and they're profitable for people. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 it says you by grace you've been saved and not through your works but we in verse 10 we Paul writes we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them has it ever occurred to you that God has prepared before the foundation of the world good works for you to do in his name for the blessing of those around you. And he is ordering all things according to his good providence and plan. That blows my mind. I can't even think about what I'm going to do tomorrow at noon, much less years in advance. But our Lord is able to do that, and he's called us to be about that work. And so as we grow in Christ and we grow in grace, the Holy Spirit produces the fruits of kindness and goodness in our hearts and lives, and they naturally flow out of us. I forgot to mention, no points this morning. We're just going to talk and go. And so, the Holy Spirit produces the fruits of kindness. If you're a point person, it's okay. We're going to get through this together. All right? (laughs) Let's let's keep going. (laughs) What are some of the ways that the Holy Spirit produces the fruits of kindness and goodness in our hearts? And how do they naturally flow out of us? What are some examples of that that we might see? Maybe, for example, being kind to wait staff at restaurants and treating them like people with feelings. You do realize when you go and you sit down at a restaurant, that is actually a person, not a robot, who's there to deliver your food to Who That person has a name. That person has feelings. That person might be going through a hard day. The thing that you can do is, I've been amazed at the conversations and the friendships that have formed by just asking the waiter or the waitress's name. Just, hey, what's your name? Hey, my name's Dave. These are the people who are sitting with me. Thank you so much. We're going to sit here and have a nice conversation, and you're going to do all the hard work and bring us the hot food here while we have a nice time. Thank you. Just showing kindness to those around you, showing kindness to those who serve you. Maybe learning how to bake or doing something like that so that you can take goodies to your neighbors and just be a blessing to them and be kind to them. Maybe learning how to fix things or learning a new skill so that you can help other people out. So that you can go and serve them. There's all kind of ways. You know, we think about what's the chief end of man in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Starts with that really helpful question. What's the chief end of man? And it answers, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. How do we do that? Tons of ways. That's what makes life fun. God uses all of our various skills and unique abilities and talents and things that we like. He uses them all for His glory in the world around us. Now, we typically think that God only cares about the flashy stuff that we do in His name. You know, stuff that you know might take a lot of effort, or we might get our name in the newspaper for it. You know, we, we, think, we typically think that God only cares about that big stuff, but in reality... The vast majority of the Christian life is lived doing the quiet, mundane things faithfully for the glory of God and for the good of those around us. Just being faithful in the mundanity of life. Again, here's what Bridges said. I thought this was kind of funny. Bridges wrote, I recently heard of a course on biblical marriage in which one of the lessons is entitled, Who Takes Out the Garbage? said, so that might be a humorous title to grab our attention, but the author is on to something. Mundane household duties are sore points in many homes, even Christian homes. But for the Christian growing in the grace of goodness, the distasteful and despised duty of the home provide the opportunity of doing good deeds for those he or she loves most. So we can take out the garbage in service to others for the glory of Christ. Writer P.J. O'Rourke famously said, Everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to help mom do the dishes. What a helpful helpful little reminder for us this morning that you know it's the little things it's the mundane things of life that we enter in and we serve. And so husbands, wives, children, people that you love and serve in your home, in your home environment, in the work, how are you displaying the love and kindness and goodness of the Lord in being the first to go do the little mundane things and being faithful in the small things for the glory of Christ. What are some new ways that you can put the fruits of kindness and goodness into action in your life, regardless of your age, your marital status, your work situation, whatever it is. We all have an opportunity to go and to serve. We trust Christ, and we ask the Holy Spirit to change us at the heart level, and then we do what is good. Again, Bridges, the good man or woman resists the temptation to find some way out of keeping a promise or speaking the truth or doing the honest thing. Nearly always there's some alternative option available, but the good choice is the right choice, even when it's the hard choice. We do what God wants us to do, even when it's hard, because God is and has been kind and good to us first. Remember, we've been talking about getting these in the proper order. We love, why? Because God first loved us. We are patient because God has been patient with us first. So again, we exhibit kindness and goodness in the world around us. Why? Because God has been kind and good to us first. And we live out of that realization. Now, how do we know that God is kind and good? He was kind to us even when we were his enemies, even when we were at our worst. Don't believe me? Look at verse 3. Look at what it says here. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. It's a great picture of us, right? Is that us at our best? No, that's us at our worst. This is how we were passing our days. Being violent towards one another and you know, slaves to various passions and pleasures and passing our, da- passing our days in malice and envy. Wow, that sounds like a great life, doesn't it? And you see, when did God move towards us when we looked like that? How do we know, first and foremost, that God is kind and good? He moved towards us when we looked like that in verse 3. But look at verse 4. The Father put His kindness into action by sending His own Son to die on the cross. Look at what it says. Do you see that all-important word? B-U-T, but. Okay? So here's how we were living in our sin apart from Christ. But, look what happened, hinge point. But, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. You see, God's kindness, His heart for His people, and His goodness, His action to rescue us. Where did those two things meet? At the cross. Those two things met at the cross. As we said, God's justice and His mercy, they meet at the cross. His kindness and His goodness, they meet at the cross. And you see, Jesus could have taken the easy way out, but He didn't. He took the harder path for our sake. I mean, again, look at verse 5. Did you pick up on that in verse 5? It says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This reminds us that our salvation is because of God's mercy, not because of our merit. What we see is not because of works done by us in righteousness. We could not have done those things. Because why? Verse 3 is true. The gospel will only be good news to you if you understand this biblical truth and you stop trying to take credit for your own salvation. The gospel's never going to make sense until the reality of verses 3, 4, and 5 sink deeply into your heart. That while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, He made us alive together with Christ. And all of a sudden, we just go, Man, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done. Thank you that you are that kind. I mean, think about this. While we were lost and dead in our sin, God's heart of kindness sought us out. And that kindness manifested itself in the Father's goodness by sending His Son, who willingly went, to die in the place of His enemies to redeem them. I mean, look at verses 6 through 8. Whom He poured out, speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life, This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. This gospel true message is good news. And so if you are here and you do not know Christ, me as a minister in the gospel with the word there placed in front of you, I ask you, plead with you to cast your eyes upon the kindness and goodness of God. Dwell upon these things, but do not miss his wrath. Do not overlook that, because his holiness demands it. And I know that's bad news. But that's only because the good news, that's what makes the good news good news. Dwell upon these things. Romans 2.4 Do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant, you, meant to lead you to repentance? If you are here and you do not trust Christ, my simple call is this. Flee to Jesus. Flee to Christ. Repent of your sin. Look to Him. Cast your cares upon Him. Say, Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner in desperate need of grace and mercy. And I look to you as my only Savior. You and you alone. But if you are here, and you do trust Christ, and you believe that this gospel message is true, how are we called to respond? How are we called to live in light of this? If God is this kind, if He is this good, why should we care? How should it change us? Colossians 3.12 Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You see, Jesus went out of his way to be kind and good to others, even ourselves. And so we imitate him. When I've given this talk, I've given this talk at camp before as we've looked at these these fruit of the Spirit. And one thing that I would ask my campers to do is to take their hand like this and put it on their forehead like this. And the thing that I ask them to do is to ask the Holy Spirit to develop a kindness radar. It's like a radar in your head. And we keep scanning around, looking for ways to be kind. We keep reading our Bibles and following Christ, and we learn how to make the good choice and do the good thing according to His Word. And we ask the Holy Spirit, "'Oh, Holy Spirit, I know that I really only love myself, and so I need you, O Holy Spirit.'" to develop this kindness radar in my heart that I can scan around. How can I do good? How can I be kind? How can I imitate Christ in this moment? You see, we have no idea how God will use our acts of kindness and goodness in this world for His glory. We have absolutely no idea. Think about in your own life how someone was just kind to you in a moment when you needed it. You have no idea how God can use these little moments. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us a kind heart towards others and then step out in faith and put that kindness into action as we follow Christ, even if it's hard. Even if it's hard. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but our culture is growing more cold and cynical each day. Anybody else figured that out? That our culture is growing more distant. What was the lady's name? Sherry Turkle wrote a book, Alone Together. He says that we're kind of together, but we're all alone, in the sense of we're all dwelling in our own little digital world, and we're only dwelling in and of ourselves. And so we might be together, but we're actually alone together, is the name of her book. And our culture is growing more cold and cynical and skeptical each and every day. I remember when I was on campus one day, we were trying to kick off RUF, and it was hot and humid. We lived near the coast of Virginia, just hot, dog days of summer, like 98% humili- humili- uh, humidity, <laughs> humidity, humidity, 98% humidity and just hot as blazes outside. And what we did in RUF is we just wanted to go be a blessing to this college campus. And so what we did is I, I had a donor go and buy like piles of watermelons and we actually kept them in the refrigerator at the church for a long time and put them in coolers so by the time we transported them to campus they were ice cold we had lemonade we had water we were giving out free slices of watermelon that was just cold because it was hot I could have taped a hundred dollar bill to them and I still couldn't have given them away it was unbelievable as we were there it was always hey what's the catch what's the catch I'm like there is no catch do you want an ice-cold piece of watermelon and a cold glass of water? Yes or no? That's, that's it. Do you, and it was always, what's the catch? Met with such cynicism and skepticism. And I remember one of my students, who was one of my core kind of group leaders, looked at me and said, man, what is the problem with us? And I said, I'm asking that question every day as I'm trying to reach this campus. You notice our culture is growing more cynical. And so Christians have a wonderful opportunity to show the love of Christ by simply making new friends and caring about people in a genuine way. You ever thought about that? It's it's just that simple. It doesn't need to be that hard. Do you remember Mr. Dan and Nora in the grocery store aisle? You remember them? Hey, old person, it's my birthday. I told you I was going to tell you the rest of the story, right? And with that in mind, I want you to think about why are we called to be kind and good to others around us? Because God has been kind and good to us first. And where do we see that most notably? He sent his son Jesus to come into this world and die. But whatever happened to old Mr. Dan, little Nora? Let me tell you. After they went on to another aisle, Nora actually asked to go back and see Mr. Dan. Apparently she had something else to talk to him about. And she actually got her picture made with him and asked her mom if she could go see Mr. Dan. And after much badgering, Nora's mom actually found Mr. Dan's phone number and gave him a call. And Nora brought him a framed picture of the two of them in the grocery store and also some pictures that she had colored which he immediately put on the fridge and a bag full of pastries and Butterfingers because she heard those were his favorite. So what ended up happening is... Now she goes to see Mr. Dan once a week. They celebrate his birthday together. And before meeting Nora, Mr. Dan had a hard time sleeping. But since their meeting in the grocery store, he's been happy and sleeping well again. Nora actually spent, according to her mom, spent the first few weeks sleeping with that framed picture of her and Mr. Dan in her bed. And you can actually find a picture of this. It became kind of like her little, her little lovey that she went to in bed. It was her new little friend. It was that picture of her and him in the, in the grocery store. And you can see this picture, and he looks so sour and scoured. And here you have little Nora. And they would, he, she would actually sleep with this picture in her bed. Nora's mom said this, Mostly, she just cares about his well-being and his heart, and she wants him to be happy. And I guess that's what friends are supposed to do, huh? And Mr. Dan summed up his new friend well. He said, if I didn't have anything else to do for the rest of my life, he said, I have her to love. Bingo. And you look at the countenance of Mr. Dan after meeting little Nora and having this little girl who cast her love upon him, and him having uh, someone else to love and care for, and to kind of fill that void in his heart, and all kicked off by just a tiny word of kindness. And you see Mr. Dan, and you see a picture of him after the fact, and he just looks like a totally different person, all because little Nora said hey to him. All that from a little girl saying hi to a lonely man in the grocery store, and God used it in a powerful way. Isn't that amazing? It's one of those stories you read it, and you're like, that'll preach. That's a good one. So so what? Why should we care? How, what do we go out with today? What am I asking you to think about and dwell upon? Number one, think about Christ. Dwell upon the kindness and goodness of our Lord that appeared. When we were at our worst, God sent his Son. And so the kindness and goodness of the Lord, how do we see it manifested? In Christ coming into the world to rescue and redeem us and it meets at the cross. But... Take time to go out of your way to think of the well-being of others. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you this heart of kindness towards others. Fight the sinful urge to only think about yourself. Enjoy the freedom of self-forgetfulness. Enjoy that freedom. Where you say, you know what, I'm okay if I don't get the credit. Let me go and serve others. Put that kindness radar on and scan around and ask for the Lord to give you opportunities. How can I be kind in this situation? How can I do a good deed to be a blessing to uh, my neighbor? As Luther famously said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. So we look for ways to be kind. Then go out of your way to do something nice for someone. Exhibit that goodness. Put it into action. Remember that God can use these little acts of kindness and goodness for His glory as you reflect His love to those around you. Because God has been so kind and good to us, let us pass that kindness and goodness on today as we follow Christ and we imitate Him. And we seek the Lord's glory in all that we do, seeking to be kind and good to others because He's been kind and good to us first. And that gospel order changes absolutely everything. We're gracious because He's been gracious first. Amen? Amen? Look to Jesus. Go be a blessing to your neighbor. If you take nothing else from that, I'm okay with that. Look to Christ. Go be a blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness and mercy towards us, O Lord. When we see your kindness and your goodness and your grace and your mercy culminating in Jesus Christ coming into the world to rescue and redeem us when we were at our worst, and meeting fully and finally at the cross. And so we, as your people, live under this great umbrella, these words, It is finished. And so, Lord, help us to go and exhibit the kindness and goodness that you showed us first to the world around us. Help us to do it even if it costs something. Help us, O Lord, to not be cynical to those around us. Help us, O Lord, to trust you and to follow you and to imitate you. Lord, help us to be faithful to you even in the mundane things. Lord, may we be seeking ways to serve those that we live with. May we be quick to take out the garbage, quick to do the dishes, quick to do the hard work because, Lord, you did the hard work for us. Lord, change our hearts. That's what we need. Help us to see more of Christ and less of ourselves and help us to revel in your kindness and goodness. And We pray these things humbly in Christ's name. Amen.